Will you pray with me? Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Scandalous. Scandalous. The story that Luke presents, Luke, an early biographer of Jesus, the story of Jesus as presented there is scandalous, quite outrageous. Check it out. Luke claims that God, God, mind you, the creator of the turning planets, the source of life and breath, that God bypasses Emperor Tiberius, ignores the governor of Judea, skips right over the ruler of Galilee, and dodges the high priests. Luke claims that God takes a detour around the palaces, skirts the halls of power, and shuns the high holy places. Luke claims that God eludes eludes the great and powerful, the mighty and majestic, the religious and sanctimonious, and aims for a waterlogged baptizer named John, somewhere out in the wilderness, who is, to be frank, a tad mad, a half-bubble-off plum, what with his animal skins and diet of honey and locusts. Moreover, Luke claims that the one whom John announced, the one whom Christians hail as the savior of the world, is poor and something of a religious outlaw and, God forgive him, a sinner, or at least that's how he is described by many of his contemporaries. And if that is not enough, Jesus hangs out with the wrong sort. He seems to actually enjoy the company of sinners. After all, he eats with them, and he has a habit of forgiving sinners without either exacting remorse or administering punishment. It's scandalous. He tells stories about prodigals showered with gifts and other stories about laborers who work different numbers of hours, all being paid as if they had worked the same long day. Where is the justice in that? Scandalous. Moreover, Jesus is dismissive of both social and religious etiquette. He gives the best seat at the banquet to the humblest, and he literally humiliates the mighty by suggesting they sit at the foot of the table. And to top it all off, he isn't as observant of the Sabbath as one might expect from the Son of God. You can see that we have a problem here, or perhaps we have gospel here. In any case, we have a scandal. Part of the scandal of the Christian gospel is the audacious claim that God came to earth in the form of a person who was not by worldly standards among the great. He was not, frankly, who they'd been expecting, who they'd been waiting for as our ancient forebears conjured in their mind's eyes an image of the kind of Savior God would surely send. Jesus had not one single recognizable credential to his credit. He lived in poverty, and the records show he died in pretty much obscurity. He ruled no nation, amassed no army, possessed no weapon. 
He was an unlikely vehicle for salvation, a curious Christ, a misfit Messiah, a shocking choice for the Savior of the world. And yet, and yet, we not only remember him, we divide time by him. The scandal of it is that God chose, chose, mind you, to enter our world as a paltry peasant, as a nobody from Nazareth, as a religious renegade. The scandal, hear me, church, is that God chooses what is foolish and weak to confound what is wise and mighty. Amen? The scandal of the gospel is that the last are first, that resurrection follows execution, and that grace, grace is free. Although the story of Advent and Christmas have been around for two millennia, and despite the fact that we have grown used to the annual reappearance of shimmering angels and kindly shepherds and regal magi, this is a scandalous story. The story of a radical departure from the status quo. And here's the point. Here's the point, church, today. That following Jesus is counter-cultural and counter-intuitive. Honestly, I'm telling the truth here. Being a Christian following this Savior, well, it can be hard to explain to others. In a world where armies and violence are status quo, where might makes right, and billionaires run the show, ours is a foolish, scandalous, curious, head-scratching message. But there you go. This is what it is. So welcome to the Christian story and to the Christian life. Welcome to a story and a life in which we are asked to side with God's priorities, not the world's priorities. A story and a life in which we swim against the prevailing tide, and believe me, that tide is strong, a mighty force. Which is why we need each other. You and I, we need each other. You can't do this hard, uphill, countercultural work on your own. None of us can. We need each other, each other's encouragement and support. Encouragement and support to determine what is, in truth, scandalous, and what is, in truth, prophetic and godly and righteous. That's why we take in new members, as we will in a moment. A warm, warm welcome to Mary and Neil, Alexandra, Ramy, Andre and Luke, and Reverend Sean. It's why we baptize babies like James, to initiate others, colleagues, collaborators into this high and hard and holy work, this swimming against the tide, this going against the grain, this counterintuitive, countercultural work that is not primarily transactional, but is transcendent, not acquisitive, but rather generous, more poetic than prosaic. You see, what the world views as scandalous, well, turns out God has turned it on its head. As for us, let me speak for you. We're down with God. We're down with God's kind of scandal, the scandal of the good news of Jesus Christ. Will you join us? Do you dare? Amen.